0: so don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
1: Hey, everybody. This is Joe.
0: And this is Lizzie from Hailstorm.
1: And you are listening to
2: Talking Metal. Yeah!
3: (laughs) Mark Striegel,
1: John
4: Astronomy, the Talking Metal podcast, coming to you from the Silver Spacecraft. I'm Bud Friendly. Here's your hosts, Mark
5: and John. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Talking Metal, coming to you from uh, a bar on 42nd Street between 7th and 8th. How you doing, John? I'm doing good. We are switching it up from our usual Starbucks
4: location, which is on 45th Street, and we are now down on 42nd, where we've done a few podcasts, but... Now we are at a Mexican restaurant.
5: Yes, uh, Talking Metal Toast. I'm drinking a mango margarita. What are you drinking? I'm drinking a vodka and cranberry. You were drinking it. It looks like it's gone. Yeah, it's gone. Now I'm going to switch to some Pepsi. All right, cool. Let's get into a little music. But first, guys, please stay tuned. We have Hailstorm. The interview the astronomy interview conducted in york pa right
4: absolutely it was at the fairgrounds and the cool thing about doing the interview with hellstorm in york is that they are from red lion pa which is just outside of york so it was a hometown show for them grammy winning artist and i hung out with lizzie and joe and i later ran into rj the drummer but a great great time great
5: interview and great concert Excellent. Let's get back to some old school heavy metal with Sweet Savage. This is Killing Time.
4: a little sweet savage featuring vivian campbell i was just looking at a picture of vivian today with all his hair and i was thinking about how he is uh, battling a sickness right now and uh,
5: just had his he just announced on facebook he had his last chemo
4: treatment wow great news and uh, let's uh, hope and it sounds like everything is going well for vivian so that's a good thing Uh, speaking of uh, british heavy metal speaking of old style british heavy metal you just interviewed dennis stratton on the last podcast
5: what a cool thing yeah dennis of course uh, also a part of the new wave of british heavy metal scene along with guys like like vivian campbell and and uh, phil collin for that matter too uh, and dennis d- gave us a great interview uh i'm gonna give a little disclaimer i said this in the last podcast and then i ended it Ended up editing it out because I didn't think it was that noticeable, but I'll let you guys in on a little secret. Dennis and I weren't actually talking live together. He wanted me to email him the questions and then edit in my question, audio questions to him. So I, I, I could tell, but uh, I played it for a friend of mine. They were like, no, you can't tell, so don't don't edit out. Because I, I, after the interview on the original version of, of the podcast John and I recorded, I actually said that. But I just pulled that out, so... Just a, a little peek behind the curtain here at, at uh, talking metal i 've never done an interview like that. It was kind of kind of odd. But Dennis is a great guy and uh, said some great stuff. I'm actually surprised the uh, the podcast didn't get a little more traction online. I I thought he said some crazy stuff, like almost implying that he was the guy who brought Harmony leads to Iron Maiden.
4: Yeah, that. And he also said he didn't get along with Rod Smallwood because he hung out with Kiss Too Much and he hung out with the crew and a bunch of different things. And uh, I like he told the stories and even remembered that, like, Paul and Gene took him out to eat and hung out with them when Iron Maiden was touring with Kiss, back when Kiss still wore their makeup.
5: Yeah, said he preferred hanging out with Kiss and their crew, and also Iron Maiden's road crew over hanging out with actually hanging out with Iron Maiden, which is uh, interesting. <clears throat> and something that was documented in Iron Maiden's book, Run to the Hills, the uh, official autobiography, which, if you haven't read that, that's a great book. I personally believe that the Harmony guitars as well as most most things that Iron Maiden did were probably Steve Harris's idea. Now, that's not to say that they weren't doing the harmony guitars before Dennis joined, but in my mind, probably Steve brought Dennis to the band in order to help the harmony guitar sound that that he was envisioning in his head, which I'm sure Dennis helped create, uh, no doubt about that. But um, everybody who was involved in that first Iron Maiden, I think... uh, Iron Maiden record uh, helped launch the sound of what became the traditional Iron Maiden sound over the years if that makes any sense and a little, yeah a
4: little, little interlude and I usually don't talk about other guitar companies but I did want to mention this because it has something to do with Maiden Ibanez has reissued the Destroyer the Destroyer was an Explorer copy originally and then it became slightly shaped a little differently in the 80s and became Destroyer 2 And uh, you metal fans will know that uh, Adrian Smith used to use one, I believe. And Phil Collin had a black one that was kind of known as the Phil Collin model, even though it was just really a a three-pickup destroyer, too. And uh, the neat thing is, in the current ad, the uh, type is in
5: Maiden-style lettering. Ah, that's great. And perfect segue, actually, because I wanted to mention Phil Collin recently had surgery on his hand so we hope he's recovering well and also in uh, speaking of Dennis Stratton Iron Maiden had two guys in mind when they let Dennis Stratton go from Iron Maiden that they wanted to replace Dennis one was Adrian Smith who Dave knew Dave Murray and Dave Murray had played with previous And the other was a hot young guitar player that Steve Harris had had his eye on, Phil Collin. So those were the two go-to guys that they had in mind to replace Dennis Stratton. And obviously Adrian is the one who ended up with a job. I do believe, according to their official book, that they asked Adrian first and Adrian accepted. And if if he would have said no, because I think they had asked him previously and he had said no because he had his own band going on. But after Dennis uh, left, uh, Maiden had obviously propelled itself uh, up and was uh, in um, with their fan base and stuff and was doing quite well, so it was probably very hard for Adrian to say no at that point. But if Adrian said no for some reason, they were going to approach Phil Collin.
4: Wow, that's pretty interesting. Now, I have a a question, and I used to know the answer to this, but I'm sure that you probably haven't forgotten this. Now, Adrian left Maiden for a while. And they got Yannick, and then Adrian returned, and now they have three guitar players. So tell the listeners uh, and me
5: how that happened. I, I think, I, I don't know how it happened. I, I think he was burnt out. You know, he, he, he left, and uh, I don't know if he was looking to do a different style of music or do more of his own music or, or, or what. I would have to review the, the Iron Maiden book to see what his reasons for leaving was. But I know, you know, they had toured so extensively through the eighties that those guys were really burnt out. And there was also some friction, I do believe, about songwriting with and I know Bruce Dickinson had been disappointed that a lot of his songs had not been used. It's right around that time that things like weren't as as hunky dory as they once were in the maiden camp. We saw Adrian leaving uh, after um, seventh son we saw uh, Bruce leave a few years after that and uh, in before Bruce left he did of course his solo record Tattooed Millionaire with Yannick so it's funny how all this stuff ties together let's uh, keep going here and let's get into a little hailstorm and then possibly into the interview right you want to set this up maybe we'll play uh, freak like me and get into the interview
4: definitely and let me say uh, thanks to everybody uh who helped put this interview together and uh a special thanks to lizzie and joe um they were great uh, it just was a really really fun day uh hooked up with the band before the show backstage uh then went out front and watched the show uh my my good friend josh gardner actually went up in the pit and took photos as the official Talking Metal photographer for the show. And uh, we're going to also post those in a special photo gallery on TalkingMetalDigital.com, TalkingMetal.com, and that's great, and thanks to Josh for that. Um, But we had a great day. We we watched the show. Uh, We hung out at like a carnival-type atmosphere. Uh, The guy... It was with guys selling some Kiss and Ozzy paraphernalia. It was kind of cool. Some cool shirts and stuff. I I actually didn't buy anything, but uh, it was fun. And uh, it was all in all a great time. And then after the show, uh, we went backstage again for the second time, and I had a drink. uh, I had a beer or two in uh, this little hospitality room and uh they had like cookies and like every this was what they had they had cookies and then they had beer and then they had the hard liquor so it was it was pretty funny it was great it was like what a what a cool thing that they did uh, RJ, the drummer, came back and hung out for a little bit. And uh, lstorm storm was so cool that they, they went out by their bus. And for people who didn't even have backstage passes, you could just go and hang out by their tour bus. And they were, like, taking pictures and hanging out with everybody. And then later they, they came back and hung out with their family and friends who were hanging out in the hospitality room. So it was cool. Uh, Lizzie's uh, father uh, Lizzie and RJ's father was hanging out with with the mo- with their mother and uh, he was once the bassist of hellstorm back in the early days so that was a, a pretty neat thing and uh, everybody has has known that Tom Kiefer then came out um, at the like for the hellstorm encore and uh, they did it A couple of songs together, which was pretty cool. So that was fun. Uh, One really funny thing that happened, uh, I will tell you after the interview, and it didn't have anything to do with Hellstorm, but it had something to do with uh, the Tom Kiefer crew. So why don't we uh, hear the track, uh, Freak Like Me, and then get right into the interview with Lizzie and Joe. John Astronomy here on Talking Metal with Grammy Award-winning artists Lizzie and Joe from Hailstorm. How are you guys doing?
2: Doing great, man. I love your name, John Astronomy. <laughs>
4: yeah. Yeah. We're doing great, man. Happy to be here. I started to think that the Astronomy name is a little hokey now, but I kind of use it anyway. You got to roll so. with it. You got to <laughs> yeah. just roll with it. Yeah,
2: we, we uh, we after a few years of being Hailstorm, we're like, well, that's a bit of a weird hokey name but we kept it anyway so well i
4: think it's great and it works perfectly for you guys so i want to talk about when you guys got signed back around 2005 and do you guys remember the gig at Don hills that you did where i know you guys had some label
1: people come down remember all those we we were playing there every month we played the first time we were showcasing for this little label that was interested in us and uh that never worked out but don saw us and he was like he's like i have to introduce you to my lawyer you know and uh, come back and play next month. So we played next month. And the lawyer's like, come back in two weeks. I'll take you to some labels and we'll set up another show at Don's. are like, okay. So we went back and played Don's again. And so we met, first met the Atlantic people. And then, uh, then they're like, well, can you guys play again next month? And we're like, sure. You know. And we did it like three or four more times every month. More people from the label would come out and check us out. And it was like this whole long courting process. But it was really you know, Don that got it, started rolling for us to get signed. It was, it was cool. Wow, that's great, and you know I was so
4: sad to hear that just unexpectedly one day Don passed away, yeah.
2: we were so upset about that and and um you know because it was very unexpected, and every time we would go and visit New York City, we would try to you know go and see him and we'd hang out, have a couple of drinks, some whiskey or whatever. it <laughs> was usually an epic night, you know um but uh but yeah, so it just one day it was you know we just got the call and just ah he I was such that. an in, in, such an integral part of us making that next step so yeah
4: he was a, definitely a great guy so you guys got signed in 2005 you came out with an EP first before you guys did your full-length album now how did that happen
1: we, we were different than most bands we didn't get signed because we had a good demo or anything you know or we got signed because of our live show and we had our we, were, we had already done over a thousand shows ourselves here in central PA Maryland Delaware and um you know the A&R guy at Atlantic Lead lost he was like uh you know he just really dug it and he thought he saw something, for, you know, that we could work with. So, and since the live show was our strength, you know, he was like, well, I got an idea. Why don't we just do a live EP, you know? And and it, it actually worked. I'm so glad we did. I, it saved us with the label because uh, we, we went out on the road in the beginning of 06, and I think we sold like 20,000 of them in a few months. Just we sling out like four or 500 a night at these shows, you know? And uh, and it, it saved our butts when yeah. – when, when the we were trying to get the record together and the you know the music industry was dropping everybody and anybody and I know we were on a cutting block and they're like well any band that can sell 20,000 of these EPs maybe we should you know at least try something right. with you know and so thank God we did the EP <laughs> you know it was we were, we we're lucky in that sense that Very we had a so good good idea we have
2: we have a great team and and um I think it just it's a constant um, thing like you know you have these companies that want to invest in you, and and you want to invest in them for what they can do that you can't do. So, um, but it's it is a constant state of proving yourself and and making sure that everybody's on the right page. And um, you know the, the the great thing about the label is that they kind of they've let us. You know, they've given us, like, that room to really find ourselves and and keep moving. Um, and sometimes we have to literally say to them, like, you know, there is such a thing as too much creative control. Um, can you please advise us? Is this the right idea? <laughs> you know? So they're good peeps. They are.
4: Very cool. So you guys have been nonstop
1: touring, probably two to three hundred gigs a year. Yeah, definitely. yeah. We're going
2: to clear like three hundred, I think, this year, right?
1: Yeah, we ju- we yeah. just kind of we like playing, and we have, you know, a lot and traveling, and and it's the road is kind of our home, you know, and and we're surrounded by good people, and this is our road family, and we love it. Everyone has a good time, and if it wasn't fun, it wouldn't be worth it, you know. And but we just have such a good time, and it's fun to watch. The crowds grow and, and, you know, never gets told the adrenaline rush of being on stage. You know, I saw in another interview that you said, Joe, that you're going to be on tour
4: until like sometime next year, this particular tour.
1: Pretty much this. Yeah, we, we go home at the end of this month for a week and a half. And then we go to Europe for five or six weeks. And then uh, we have a few days off and then December. We do the December run. And then uh looks like we're going to. You know, we're going to start working on our record, and then we're going overseas for most of spring. So there might be a little bit of time in January off. I'm not sure. We don't we don't know yet. But, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to writing new music, you know, and getting in the studio mood. Where's home for you guys now?
2: Just recently moved to Nashville, actually. So um, just more central location. Uh, buses come out of there. We have a warehouse out there. We have a studio out there. So it's a...
1: Uh, yeah, we, you know, the... We were moving all our gear was going there anyway because the bus always comes out of there and it was saving us a bunch of money just to locate our gear there and we, we happened to come across this place that had a like a decked out studio in the in the you know in the home and we're like, "That's pretty cool. <laughs> ah, screw it, you know let's let's see what that's about and try that. We haven't been there that much yet, but we're, we'll be checking it out you know it'll be fun. Good deal. I know that you guys have done some stuff with guests in the
4: past, like Wolfgang, Van Halen, and do you guys plan to record with any other special guests on the new recordings? And I also want to follow it up with, I heard that you guys are doing a cover record.
1: Yeah, we we have our Reanimate 2 coming out in October. It's uh, it's to be our second cover EP. And uh, it's got some cool songs. I don't know when the press release is going to come out. It should be out any day, but uh, we're actually getting the last mix in. It's probably in our email right now. Um, but yeah, it's cool, man. We we hit up some 70s and some 80s and some today. <laughs> yeah, that's
2: fun. And yeah. to answer your first question, I mean, like, I, I love doing duets with people. Um, we are very lucky to have some awesome friends right now and so you never know like I I, we haven't we don't have anything in the works right now but that kind of stuff including the Wolfie Van Halen thing usually kind of happens on a whim like hey you want to do this? Sure you know so
4: Very cool I was watching my favorite TV show Bar Rescue and suddenly I see you guys and I thought it was the coolest thing
1: tell us about that and how did that happen?
2: I don't even know how it really came about Yeah I'm not sure but
1: we you know our management calls like you guys want to be on Bar Rescue like sure you know and it was actually really cool. We flew in, and the station, you know, the the production company leaked it to the local station. And there's like a few thousand people showed up, and the, the place held like 50. You know, there's you couldn't fit anyone in there. And and there's this huge line outside, and it got really crazy. And there's a lot of disappointed people, which was a bummer, because a lot wanted to come in, and, and it kept getting pushed back. We didn't even get to play till like midnight. We did like two or three songs, and. You know, we felt bad because you know it was a TV production, so you're running on it. It wasn't a concert, yeah, they, yeah, you they, know.
2: They couldn't. We couldn't do. We did. We squeaked in a couple more songs just for everybody that showed up. But yeah, yeah almost right. got in trouble. But yeah, <laughs> but it was worth it. I feel like. Yeah, it was fun.
4: It was great. It looked great. You know, from a TV production background, it looked great. The final product. So it was very cool. Now, Lizzie, you have a signature Gibson Explorer.
2: Gibson approached me um, at what? What? Which name was that? Two years ago. Two or three, yeah. Two or three years yeah. ago um, uh, uh, at the NAM convention in An- Anaheim. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, they approached me and they're like, we really want to do a guitar with you. And of course, my initial reaction was like looking behind me like, is slash behind me who are they talking to you know um and uh they were uber excited I mean obviously I've been a Gibson girl forever and so um I kind of already had my ideas because they're like you know take a few months and like figure out what you want to do I'm like I'll have it in your email box tomorrow so um they were really excited to do it for me um I did I, you know I did a standard explorer because I just I love the way that they do explorers and, and I didn't really want to screw with it too much so um you know it's standard pickups what i really did was just cosmetically just make it into this what i call a classy bitch because it's got this classic um metal you know shape to it but um i ended up taking a lot of inspiration from actually the fender gretch you know whereas the it's white uh falcon. you know the, yeah, the white falcon so um it's got gold hardware it's double bound you know bound neck um you know pearl and gold hardware it's uh but it it Plays like just amazing, and it's really it's my go-to guitar right now for you know in any situation. So um yeah, it feels like home. <laughs>
4: well, I love it. Now I wanted to ask you in the Love Bites video,
1: you're playing a Les Paul, and it's got was that a Kaler
2: on it? That's yeah. an
1: old. uh That was a gift from a guy a guy that works at a station up in Connecticut. Is it '81? It's an '81 Silverburst yeah. Les Paul Custom with a you know the the year that you wanted, and it was a factory installed kayler on there
2: yeah and good good friend of ours um ended up coming you know to a to a show and and he put out this guitar and he's like i really want this to have a good home and he's like her he's like her name is hope and i really want it to be played and, and displayed so um stage, so yeah so i i told him i said well you know i'm gonna put it in the love bites video and so you'll have that and you'll have you it know? out on yeah. stage
1: it's, yeah it's in the middle of getting refretted because the frets were a little too worn down to uh really be play that, all that playable, so it's taken, for some reason, a freaking year and a half to, right. we've just been on the road so much, every time we go back, it's not quite done, because our guitar tech is doing it off the road, and I think we'll have it, hopefully, by uh, the December run, so yeah. we can start playing it then, because it sounds awesome.
2: It does. It's, it's got such a cool tone. I mean, obviously, anything with that history, I mean, it just sounds unlike any of my other Les Pauls, but I'm getting quite a lot of Les Pauls. Yeah, you have a nice I have, collection. I have, what, I have like six now? It's just terrible. It's a terrible addiction. Terrible.
4: You know what I think are nice is the uh, classic customs. They may be now called the custom classics, but it's basically a custom where the front has multiply binding, but the back doesn't have binding mm-hmm. like a standard, so
1: those are kind of cool. They're Gibson USA,
4: so they're less expensive than the custom shop models. That's
2: cool.
1: <laughs> I really want one of those uh, uh, collector series. or The collector, um, what are they called? Like I can't remember the exact name of it, where they took like uh, – they take like 59 bursts and remake them perfectly you know yeah. like they have like collector something number 2 and number right. 3 right. and they're so cool looking. Guys, I really appreciate it that you guys took the
4: time out again for the second time to hang out with Talking Metal. I've always been rooting for you guys for a couple of reasons. One, because I'm also a PA guy, so it's great mm-hmm. to see another hometown you know, group of musicians do great. But also because I was there back in the old days at one of the Don Hills gigs doing it with you guys. So congratulations on everything.
2: It's a pleasure to be with you, man. And, and thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. You Fair know, we're, we're, we're just goofballs. We we talk about the stuff anyway, so it's it's a... It's an honor. Thank yeah,
1: you. Yeah, I really appreciate it. And thanks for the Ace Freely book. Yeah, Can't thank you wait so to read much. It. You guys are going to love it. Hey, everybody. This is Joe.
2: And this is Lizzie from Hailstorm.
1: And you are listening to
2: Talking Metal. Yeah!
3: <laughs> we could just go home right now. Or maybe we could stick around for just one more drink.
5: Just heard was John's interview with Halstorm, Lizzie and Joe from Halstorm, and you heard Slash with Halstorm playing the song "Here's to Us" again. "Here's to Us" by Halstorm featuring Slash. Go to iTunes and buy the full-length versions of all the songs you hear on Talking Metal. So you were going to mention another story, John, and then I want to give a shout out to a couple other Talking Metal listeners. What was it? So, John, you were going to mention one more story you said, I think, before the interview, and then we are going to give a shout-out to a couple Talking Metal listeners.
4: Yeah, um, what was funny is I'm backstage um, in that hospitality room, and some guy comes in, and it turns out he was Tom Keeper's, uh guitar tech. He was a really, really cool guy, and uh, we, we've kept in touch. Uh, and he comes up, and uh, the RJ comes up, and he goes, Oh, uh, are you the guy with ace freely and he was talking to the uh, other guitar tech and he goes no he is and um somehow somebody must have known that i had done something with ace and so what happened is um we me and the uh the guy are talking and he goes he goes this is prior to him knowing that i work with ace he's like man i just saw ace out in detroit and he goes let me tell you it was the god the most awful thing i've ever seen in my life and you go, what? Detroit? That was a great show. I said, we were right by the water. I go, that show? And he's like, yeah, oh, my God. And then somebody goes, uh, oh, that's Ace's assistant. And he's like, wow, oh, I'm really sorry. <laughs> he's like, I can't believe I said that. Oh, my God. And he's like, oh, I did like the book. and But anyway, I, uh, <laughs> it was really funny. And I was like, no worries. I was just, like, very surprised. And I told him, I said, I'm surprised you thought that wasn't a good show. I thought that was a great show. I mean, I admit some shows are better than others, but... Um, I thought that one was a killer show, so I don't, I don't know what was, uh, what he didn't like about the show, but uh, I thought it was really cool. So anyway, that was a funny story, and he, he's since kept in touch. I, I got to give him a call back because I've just been so jammed up. I haven't called uh, anybody back. Uh, I did talk to Rob Dukes the other day, which I'll fill you in on.
5: And, um, but anyway, I've just been really, really busy. And uh, I know Rob had been texting me, trying to get in touch with you. So I'm glad to hear you guys connected finally. Hey, we got a nice PayPal donation. Why don't you give a shout-out to this guy here? This goes out to Robert Bear, and he gave
4: us a killer donation, and man, Robert, thank you so, so much for doing this. We can't thank you enough for doing it, and, and you listeners keep us going because, guys, we don't get paid by anybody to do this we you know occasionally have a sponsor but we just do this for you guys and for us because we have a fun time doing it it makes us feel like we're talking to you and want to send this one out to robert and he wants to hear some sean baker
5: yeah let's get into that right now a little sean baker for robert who wrote in talking metal rules love the show if i earned a request with this donation i'd love to hear seven nothing by sean baker orchestra Thanks for all the time you put into the podcast. Rock on, Rob. Thank you, Rob, for the great, generous donation. Just heard was 7 nothing by Sean Baker Orchestra. Go buy that on iTunes. A big thanks to the Talking Metal listeners for everything you guys do for us. And we wanted to give a little shout out right now to our sister podcast, Talking Rock. It is back and running strong, so go subscribe to Talking Rock. There's a new interview up with Hugo from Tantric, who was managed by Bill O'Coyne who once managed Kiss. We actually talk about Bill Coin during the interview, so definitely go check that out on the Talking Rock feed or on TalkingMetal.com in the Talking Rock section. Derek posted on Facebook, Hey guys, I just recently found your podcast and spent the better part of the past two days listening to it. It's cool hearing how band life is for the big and famous and gives me something to look forward to as I am a musician as well. Even if I'm a sucky one. (laughs) Well, I'm sure you're not that bad, uh, Derek. And love the interviews and love the podcast. You got a fan for life. Well, thanks for checking in with us, uh, Derek, on Facebook. And, guys, you can check out our official Facebook page and get involved with the conversation there. John and I will be uh, touching base with you guys all on the Facebook and the Twitter, which is uh, the handle is just simply Talking Metal, one word. All right, so we'll wrap things up here. We've heard some great music. We're going to wrap up with a little old-school Bruce Dickinson before he was in Iron Maiden. This kind of ties in with the whole Maiden theme from earlier in the episode. <clears throat> and I guess that'll about do it for, for today. I'm losing my job, guys, so if, if you're ever going to make a donation, now's the time. Last, uh, last week is next week, and I'll be uh, hopefully pulling in some sort of income. i a little nervous about it. Maybe it'll mean more podcasting. I don't know. Anyways, John, why don't you take us out? This is Vice
4: Versa by Samson from 1980, and this features Bruce Dickinson, who I once ran into on the streets of Johnstown, PA.